Welcome to Life on the Brink, a lovely little place filled with inspiration and creativity that is dedicated to enjoying life one day at a time. I'm Anna, and together we're exploring the beautiful things in this world that fascinate us and often discovering something new. Hello, hello, everyone. And welcome to episode 18 of Life on the Brink. Today we have a very, very fun episode, one that hopefully will leave you inspired and um, can sort of brighten up this very cold part of the year, at least for a lot of us. It's now in that sort of semi-final stretch of winter where Sometimes you just need a little something to hold on to, something to look forward to that's more attainable than waiting for springtime. (laughs) So today we're talking about Bridgerton, but not only Bridgerton. Today I am sharing lots of shows and movies and books and other little miscellaneous things that, um, that I have grown to love or that I am looking forward to trying in this winter spring season now that I have, like many people, absolutely flown through the season of Bridgerton that's on Netflix. Because it was so nice, and now that it's done, I think a lot of people might be looking for something similar that has that same sort of happy, sort of romantic, visually pleasing quality that makes you want to go back and watch more and is a nice little comfort during your day or your week. So that's what I'm hoping to share today. Because I've talked to a lot of people and I've seen a lot of and I've seen a lot of people and friends of mine on social media talking about it and commenting on it and how fun it was to watch. So before we get into it, I do want to give a little disclaimer that if maybe Bridgerton wasn't your thing for one reason or another, um, no worries. Maybe you'll find something in this list that does strike you and your taste a little bit more. Um, Or maybe this episode won't appeal to you as much, but um, that's okay. I know one of the main critiques that people have been having about this show is that it's so uh, historically inaccurate but I think it it is so intentionally inaccurate that it works like no one who watches Bridgerton is thinking this was actually what it was like (laughs) in 1813 it's sort of a fantastical version of it and I think that's heightened by the fact that you know there's modern music and they'd really tried to enhance that it's very colorful very Um, romanticized and beautiful there's also elements of the show that are historically inaccurate Uh, you know the costumes are not (laughs) spot on there's a lot of synthetic materials there's also people of color that that are in positions of power and wealth but that gives opportunity to people who might not have otherwise been able to ever be a part of a period piece like this to be in those sorts of spotlights and I hope that that will even continue and grow in the seasons to come But also there's elements like women would never be able to go to boxing matches and would not be out in short sleeves during the day or have their heads uncovered during the day. But that's, it's all a sort of fantasy. But I think the story was good. And I liked that (laughs) 
It talked about family and friendship and marriage and also Julie Andrews, who narrates it like you get to hear Julie's voice every episode. So in no way is this show meant to be an accurate period piece. And I think that is what has made it so appealing. There are people that maybe wouldn't have ventured into some of the things that I'll talk about today if they hadn't had a little taste brought to you by Netflix and Bridgerton. The way I thought about it was like this. I listened to a podcast uh, sometime in the last year or two, and I've been trying to find it, and I haven't been able to find it. It was like a random episode of a podcast on tea that I had listened to, and I'm going to keep looking. If I have found it, I will link it in the show notes whenever I do find it. Um, But it was talking about matcha, and they talked to some experts and people that were performing ceremonies with like top-notch, excellent ceremonial-grade matcha. And the host of the podcast asked one of these people, what do you think of like Starbucks matcha, you know, of people that will like, you know, go to Starbucks and get a matcha latte? And his answer was kind of surprising. He said, I think it's a really good thing because it makes something unique like matcha accessible to people who probably would not have sought it out on their own if they're unfamiliar with it, you know? Even though the matcha latte at Starbucks is not going to be the best quality and is mixed with a lot of sugar and, of course, with milk and stuff. But maybe if you like that, then that might encourage someone to try, if they see matcha somewhere else, say like, oh, I think I like that. And then you can learn about it and read about it that's probably the way that I started. And now I have the whole bowl with the whisk with the (laughs) ceremonial grade matcha. We can't expect everyone to be informed on everything as soon as it exists. So I'm someone who loves historical drama and historical fiction and even nonfiction and reading books by people who did live at those times and might be a little bit more knowledgeable on the Regency era than maybe your average person on the street, but I'm no expert by any means. And I thought Bridgerton was a really nice sort of bridge that has appealed to a lot of people who do like to read the real thing and learn about the real thing, but also to people who have never really approached stories like that. So today we're not going for historical accuracy. And you'll notice in my list that I'm about to share, I'm not sharing a lot of super heavy dramas because there are a lot of great stories that have been included in Masterpiece Classic and the BBC and stuff like that. But what I really wanted to focus on was what I think made this show so addicting, which was the beauty of the scenery, the buildings, the costumes, the cinematography, and the music, I would say, was a large element of it, and and also a good story. Usually romantic. I want to say every single one of the things on this list includes some sort of romantic story. But we are here for it in the dead of winter. In February, where it's cold outside with Valentine's Day approaching, give me all the romance. Because we don't have to only feed our minds with high art. I think we are allowed to watch something just because we like it. And all of these things that I'm going to be sharing are, in fact, fiction. And some of them will be better representations of the time period than others, but all of them are lovely, I think. So you can like Bridgerton, or you cannot, and we can be friends. That's fine. (laughs) 
but I personally loved it. And if you do, or you're interested, then here we go. Before I begin, I just want to share the tea that I'm drinking at this moment. Um, I've realized that when I record this podcast, I tend to drink a cup of tea or I'll make a pot. And um, I thought, well, why don't I just begin sharing what I'm actually drinking? Because I did that a couple times. So today I have brewed a pot of a different kinds of chai. <laughs> um, in a small pot, I have put one tea sachet from, I think it's just Lidl, just grocery store brand um, chai with black tea and those spices. But then I've also included about a tablespoon of the now extinct <laughs> samurai chai yerba mate blend from Tivana. But I have found that people will make sort of um, replicas of that kind of blend because it was so good and it is now an endangered species. So I will leave links to that. It's really nice. I wanted to blend the two different kinds of tea and I have it with honey and cream and it's delightful. So with that, you can now pause to get your tea. I'm also snuggled under a blanket, so feel free to join me. And we're going to start with my list of things to enjoy as we wait for the next season of Bridgerton. Okay, so we are going to start with some series, some other shows or limited series that I think you might enjoy. I will say some of them I've seen and some of them I haven't. Um, the ones that I haven't are on my list and I'm trying to get a hold of them so that I can start watching as soon as possible. So first, I'm actually going to start with a series that I haven't seen yet, but is probably the closest in terms of timeline and setting to Bridgerton. Um, and it is Sanditon, which was released by PBS Masterpiece in 2019. Now, Sanditon was the last book written by Jane Austen, and it was actually unfinished. So there's a guy who was like a historian or something who sort of finished like what he thought the story might be for the sake of the show. Um, it's set in 1819 in England. Um, if you remember, Bridgerton was set in 1813 in England and is about a young woman and includes lots of plot lines with other people. And what is interesting is that it also includes a black woman who is an heiress. Her name is Miss Lamb. And actually that character was in the original book. Jane Austen wrote this character clearly to be um, of mixed race somehow, but um, in this series, a black woman was cast and is part of the society. And so I think that it's a another great opportunity to see people of different races in a setting like this. Not since the masterpiece of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella have we been able to see such a diverse cast in a, a world like that. So I'm hoping that shows like this can help open up those doors. Currently, I think you can only watch Sanditon on PBS. Um, I think you can rent it but you can only watch it through them right now. But it's eight episodes and it's possibly set up for a second season because some of the things are unresolved and Jane Austen didn't really do that. But it might just be a limited series, time will tell. I'm very much looking forward to it, especially since it apparently takes place on the coast and I love things that have the beach and the coast because that's similar to where I live. So Sanditon is probably a great place to start. The second show on my list is one that aired in 2012 and 2013. It was two seasons and actually got canceled. 
much to my dismay, it was called The Paradise. It was also uh, through PBS Masterpiece. And it takes place a little bit later in history, in 1875. But I watched this show, I think, I think I saw the first season before the second one came out. And I watched the second one as it came out because I loved it. And I don't think, even though it was canceled, I think the ending of it, while it was sort of open-ended, it wasn't cliffhangery. And it wrapped up some things. So I think it's still worth a watch. But it's about the first department store in London. So it has a lot of the same beautiful interiors that I loved about Bridgerton. The costuming is beautiful. And I think the characters are interesting and funny. And um, I just thought it was really beautiful to look at. So you can buy either individual episodes or seasons of the show on Amazon Although I have found a link to um, like the first season of it in pieces that I found on the internet that I will leave in the show notes, but hopefully it might become more accessible later. So that's The Paradise, and I did really enjoy that one. I've seen it a couple times. Next, I would like to talk about an ongoing series, one that came out in 2020, and that is The Great. It's a Hulu series, um, and it's starring Elle Fanning as Catherine the Great. And it's set mm, a little earlier. It's in 1762 in Russia. And it's sort of based on real events. This is another show that very obviously lets you know this is not going to be historically accurate. It's very upfront with that. This is, while it has some dark elements, is also really funny, um, I think. And I watched the first season so quickly. I just devoured it. I thought it was fantastic. And I can't wait for the next season that hopefully will come this year. I know things are still crazy and I don't, and I don't know how production schedules have been shifted. I'm sure it's been all over the place, but the costumes in the great are beautiful. There's one dress in particular that is like hot pink that doesn't show up until the last episode, but it's in all the promo images and I'm just obsessed with that dress. It is a little bit more raucous, this series, and um, a little more harsh. I think that's the, it's very clearly trying to show the shock of the Russian culture to Catherine. So not as posh and uh, a little more dark, but still really, really beautiful to look at. So next on my list is a series that is near and dear to my heart. I bet you can see it coming. We're talking about Downton Abbey. Of course, this show is fantastic. I will say it's a little bit slower than Bridgerton at times. So if you've just started with Bridgerton and you're like, what else is kind of exciting? I would say start with something like The Great or something. But once you sort of get used to, uh, you know, the change in language and the settings, please sit down and give Downton Abbey at least three to five episodes before you make any decisions because it is such an excellent show. It's six seasons that aired from 2010 to 2015, plus there was a movie that came out in theaters in 2019. It follows the story of a family and basically all of the people that live and work in their house, <laughs> starting from the year 1912 and goes all the way until 1926. So this is much later in time, and it's such a great show because it spans pre-World War One 
through World War One and then into the 20s. And you can see the changes in the hair, in the costumes, which are just excellent. Um, and it's also sort of showing you the end of that kind of life, this uh, aristocracy and the very divided upstairs and downstairs dichotomy within each of these great houses. And it shows the sort of breaking down of barriers that happened during that time in the 20th century. But woven in that are all of these individual stories of people that work in this house, the people that are born into this family or marry into the family. They each have their own thing going on and they're woven so beautifully. And I will say the music is stunning. Like that main theme is immediately transportive. Trans transportive? It transports you <laughs> to that time and that place. And I think it has an a really good ending. There's a lot of ups and downs. And like I said, it takes place over like six seasons. But at the end of the day, the ending is beautiful. And I thought the movie was good. So it's a definitely a different time period, but is a lovely period drama. I love Downton Abbey. And then sort of going with that, this is a series that I have not watched, but my family has watched and has told me is similar to Downton Abbey only a bit more action-packed, and that is Gran Hotel, which is a Spanish series. And somewhere, I think on Netflix or somewhere, there's a like a version of this story that's being aired called Grand Hotel, um, but it's not that. It's this original um, Spanish series that aired from 2011 to 2013, and it's kind of in that same time period. It starts in 1906, but it's in Spain and not in England. And it's a little bit more backstabby and fiery. And this might be the year that I finally just make a point of watching it. But if you are okay with subtitles or you can speak Spanish, um, Gran Hotel might be something that might be more your pace than Downton Abbey, which might be a little bit slower. So that's on my list. <laughs> And then going back to the 19th century, I just want to talk really quick about War and Peace, which was a 2016 limited series from the BBC. It follows Leo Tolstoy's book um, from 1805 to 1812, which is much closer to the time of um, Bridgerton, but it's in Russia, of course. Um I have not read War and Peace, but I have seen the movie with Audrey Hepburn, so I'm kind of familiar. But this series looks beautiful. Obviously, it's going to be a little more heavy because of the war bit, but it looks like all of the peaceful moments are just stunning. And um, Lily James is in it, and who, if you've seen Downton Abbey, you'll remember she was Rose. And I'm going to talk about her later as well when we get to the movies. Um, so I'm a big fan of hers. And... We'll end up watching this soon, I think. It has been broadcast as a limited series because it just goes through the book and not beyond, which I think is nice. So this one is bound to be a little more dramatic, maybe a little more heavy, but really, really beautifully done. And finally, my last on my list of series is, of course, The Crown. Even though this is a very different time period, <laughs> The reason that I put it on this list was because one of my favorite parts about Bridgerton was all of the moments when people were sitting with tea, of course, because I'm obsessed with 
having tea in the middle of the day (laughs) with the little cakes and whatnot, plus also all of the beautiful interiors and the castles. So all of that grandeur is still very present in the crown, which is ongoing. It started in 2016 and every two seasons, the cast changes. So I watched the first two just because I loved the first two so much. I needed a second to adjust to the fact that (laughs) it's all a completely different cast, but it's showing Queen Elizabeth II's life in three different times of her life, which is fascinating because she's still alive. I'm like, how are they going to go about this? But there's really great shots of, you know, the sitting room and the tea. And it's so well done that I'm making it a priority to finally see this third season now. So there you have it. Those are seven series that I think would be great to dive into if you enjoyed Bridgerton. And if you're looking for less of a commitment, we're going to talk real quick about some movies, which you can knock out in one night. When I think of Regency era England, my mind immediately goes to Jane Austen, of course, because her novels are so iconic to that time and the adaptations have become so beloved. But there are a lot of them and sometimes the stories are heavier or slower. So I would recommend if you don't know where to begin with Jane Austen, to begin movies with Emma and specifically the 2020 version because it is beautiful. It is absolutely like one of the most gorgeous films I've ever seen. I think the story is really well told and um, Emma is interesting because it's a story I think where the protagonist has some real personal growth and you don't always see that in a heroine of that time. Um, But wow, that movie is stunning. You just go ahead and start there. It's quickly become one of my favorites of any Jane Austen adaptation. But of course, with that, next I have to talk about Pride and Prejudice, which is my favorite of her stories. And I personally love the 2005 adaptation, the film with Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. It It has all of that beautiful cinematography that we love. The music is I can't even describe how beautiful, like it's one of my favorite scores of all time. And I've like grown up playing it at the piano because I just couldn't get enough of it. It is so suited to this film and this story and the costumes are lovely. And like the love story I think is really sweet and poignant and powerful. So you might need subtitles for it. If you're unfamiliar with the type of speaking, I watched it not long ago with Josh and it is kind of hard to understand what they're saying if you don't know what they're going to say already. I'll say that. (laughs) So now I've got three quick movies that I included mostly because of the aesthetics, because they're just really beautiful to look at. First is Marie Antoinette, which came out in 2006, starring Kirsten Dunst. It is one that very clearly lets you know it's not even trying to be historically accurate, but it's so fun. And I mean, you know, spoilers, it's not going to end super well if you know anything about history, so just know that going into it. But all of the scenes of the clothes and the parties and the gardens, oh my gosh, the garden scenes are stunning. So even if you just want to watch like the first two thirds of it just to get inspired... I'm okay with that. 
Um, next, I'm going to throw in Little Women, but the 2019 version. Now, if you listen to episode 17 of this podcast, you'll know that my sister and I have feelings about this particular adaptation and prefer the 1994 one. But I will say, because we're here for aesthetics today and all of the good feelings, this movie is beautiful. And I love the scenes at the beach and in the woods and it is it is a beautiful movie and is not exactly the same era or type of story as Bridgerton but if you really enjoyed watching that show because of all of the beautiful scenery (laughs) then give Little Women a shot and then the last one I want to talk about is Cinderella but the 2015 live action version Again, starring Lily James. The reason that I think about this movie a lot when I think about Bridgerton is because of the costumes. When you watch Bridgerton, I just really love the um, the way the colors sort of personify or color a character. They were also clearly a fusion of, of modern fashion and historical styles. And that is what really made me think about Cinderella, specifically the stepmother and stepsisters outfits and then a little bit some of uh, the things that Cinderella wears but you know she doesn't have a lot of clothes she's just got like that one dress which is beautiful but the architecture and the scenery and the costumes are so beautiful and clearly fused with modern styles so it just creates this beautiful little smoothie of an aesthetic that really transports you and it's just such a sweet story. I love it. And the prince is played by that guy who played Rob in Game of Thrones. So another reason. And the stepmother is Kate Blanchett. So all around a reason to watch this movie. <laughs> okay, so real quick, I just want to talk about a couple books and a couple other miscellaneous things. You may know from listening that I have been trying to really establish a habit of reading this year because I have been trying to do that for a few years and it hasn't really stuck. But so far, it's going really well in 2021. And if you are also trying to find little things to read but don't really know where to begin, might I suggest starting with the Bridgerton series? That's right. Bridgerton is based off a series of books and there's eight of them. And each one follows each of the Bridgerton children finding their way in the world. So the first one is called The Duke and I, which is obviously about Daphne. And the first season of the show was based on that book. I believe the next book and season of the show is based on the oldest brother, Anthony. But each of the books is on each of the Bridgertons. Um, And there are people who didn't like the show because they said the book was better. I liked the show, so that makes me think that the book would be really good. So feel free to start there. The first one is The Duke and I, or if you want to just continue, maybe start with book two and have a sneak peek into next season. And then, of course, we have to talk about Jane Austen again because her books are iconic. And while I would say to start with Emma in terms of movies, Emma is the longest of Jane's books. So I would instead advise to maybe start with Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen because it's shorter and it's pretty exciting. It's not as slow as some of the other books, but is still very much like such a wonderful picture of the culture. It's also satirizing 
gothic literature. So maybe, you know, read an essay on that before you start. (laughs) But I've read Northanger Abbey. I really enjoyed it. And then maybe move on to her other books. I haven't read all of them. So that's a goal of mine as well. And then I just want to mention three other books that are kind of in that same vein. One is called Bringing Down the Duke by Evie Dunmore. And I haven't read this one yet, but it's on my list. It's about a a woman at Oxford who's a suffragette and she's in charge of recruiting men of influence for the cause. And she chooses this duke who is apparently not for it, but of course they like are attracted to each other. So I will, of course, leave links to all of these books. Also, there's Edenbrook by Julian Donaldson, in which the protagonist, Marianne, is trying to escape the boredom of Bath and um, goes to the country, thinking she'll be able to enjoy English countryside, while her sister is trying to get with this heir of Edenbrook. But apparently it's not going to be as simple as that. But that, I think, is going to have some beautiful descriptions of the countryside. So can't wait to read that. And then, lastly, I highly recommend Austin Land by Shannon Hale. Um, and also there's a sequel called Midnight at Austin Land, which has murder. But Austin Land is um, an interesting book because it's set in the modern day, but the protagonist goes to like a retreat that is supposed to be completely immersive and transport you into basically Jane Austen's world and there are suitors and there's a ball and she's you know obsessed with pride and prejudice and thinks it'll be great but then it turns out to not be so great and I don't want to give any more away than that (laughs) but I really liked it because I too am obsessed with (laughs) Jane Austen and they actually made a movie of Austen Land that was pretty accurate to the book I'd say and I thought it was really fun and really nice so add that to your little movie list as well (laughs) So we've gone through shows, movies, books, and now I just have like three little extras that weren't, they're in a little miscellaneous category, but they're fun little things that give me all of the Bridgerton vibes. One is a web series. (laughs) It's not super well known, but I watched it all when it came out. It's called The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. It came out in 2012. It's like a hundred YouTube videos, but they're like five minutes each. And basically it tells the story of Pride and Prejudice, but from a self-documentary format and in the modern day. But that sort of gave birth to a YouTube channel called Pemberley Digital, which has, again, these sort of like documentary style video series. There's one for Emma, um that I also watched through and I thought it was great. There's uh, something about Frankenstein and one that goes through some of Little Women. And it's really clever the way that they take very classic stories and make them into modern adaptations. It's it's very unique. I'm going to leave a link because it's hard to describe, but I loved it. <laughs> and then I'm also going to include, I feel like, All of these stories, these books and movies and stuff are made better if you have a cup of tea and are definitely made even better if you have that tea in a teacup and a saucer. So if you are trying to embrace your Bridgerton self and want to upgrade from a mug, you know, if you don't yet have a teacup, I am going to leave a link to some um, 
simple styles. I really like um, this collection from the English Tea Store, which you can buy online. Um, I have a very large teacup collection, but they've come from all over the place. I would say you can even look in thrift shops, antique shops, um, estate sales are great places, and they each have kind of their own little story. And that way the tea is just slightly elevated. And lastly, I'm going to leave a link to a recipe for a lemon lavender shortbread cookie. That looks really, really good. And um, I think we'll make a nice bridge between all of the very rich gingerbready spicy things of early winter before we get into straight up springtime. I feel like lavender is a good bridge of those things. Lavender's really good all year, but these look delicious. So I'm going to leave a link to this recipe. And as always, there's going to be links to all of these movies, all of these series and books. So you can just head to the show notes and find links to all of the things that I have described today. So hopefully you are inspired and are able to capture all of those cozy Bridgerton feelings now through the rest of winter and until the end of time. (laughs) And with that, I will be back with this week's little joy. So this week's little joy is is sort of a moment within a moment. Um, Because first of all, we got snow. I think I mentioned this before, but last winter, I don't think I saw snow at all. If anything, a little flurry that didn't stick to the ground. But in the past week, it has snowed like three times. And of course, you know, by that evening, it's all pretty much melted away. But still, the mornings that it's been snowing have been beautiful. And it's even supposed to snow again next week. And I'm ecstatic about it. It just makes the winter feel magical instead of dull. So I was embracing it. And then within that snow, there was a little moment this past weekend when I was at home with Josh and it was snowing and I was looking at the snow out the window, but then I looked down into the garden and we now have five garlic sprouts. Like there's little shoots that are sticking up through the dirt and up through the snow. I mentioned it in episode 10 when I was talking about my first season of gardening and the fall update that I was working on planting garlic that you planted in the fall and it's okay through the winter and then it comes up in the spring and you harvest it in the summer. And I saw nothing for weeks and I was like, I'm pretty sure this soil is frozen. But then on that day with the snow coming down, I could see these little shoots coming up through the soil because the garlic is growing in this cold winter season. So that is my little joy. I feel a little bit more motivated to plan out the garden for this coming season. And I will, of course, be taking you all along with me. So snow and garlic was my little joy this week. And because we all need something to listen to, of course, I'm going to be linking the Bridgerton soundtrack in this week's show notes. The official Spotify playlist has come out that includes all of the, you know, string quartet arrangements of Ariana Grande, etc. And all of the classical selections that were used throughout the series as well as the original score, which is just so emotional and beautiful. I think on top of just the the fact that they used some modern songs to to help sort of fuse the atmosphere, the score itself 
uses a lot of modern chord progressions and sounds that we're used to, but with classical instrumentations, you know, a lot of strings. But the combination of those creates this really emotional score that resonates with a lot of listeners. So if you haven't taken the time to just listen of the series, I highly recommend it. It can help make a very mundane day feel super romantic. (laughs) And you can just romanticize this winter season until we have a little bit of sunshine to help us along. So I'll be linking that in the show notes along with all of the wonderful things I mentioned in this episode. And I hope you pick one or two at least and um, have a ball. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Life on the Brink. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a rating or a review on iTunes. And even if you don't have time for a review, even a star rating does so much for the podcast and makes it more easily accessible to people who maybe haven't discovered it yet. Or if you would leave a comment on the show notes, you can head over to AnnaPerkinsMusic.com slash Life on the Brink, or even over to my Instagram at Anna on the Keys with underscores in between every word, where we can connect and share other lovely things that inspire us and bring us joy. Again, thank you so much. I hope that you're doing well and that you stay warm and cozy. And until next time, friends, you have a lovely week. Bye.